Hi, welcome to the Inspired Painter Podcast. My name is Jessica Libor, and I am a Philadelphia-based artist, curator, and art professor, as well as artist coach. In this podcast, I cover topics vital to the success of emerging and established artists, like inspiration, mindset, art business relationships, and artist career strategy. You'll also hear interviews from art world luminaries who share their wisdom. My goal for this podcast is for you to feel encouraged, inspired, and in control of your art career, and to help you become the best artist that you can be. Hello, Elaine. It's so nice to see you. Jessica, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Um, so I am here with Elaine Sehar, and she is a wonderful watercolor artist. And um, I know Elaine from, wow, several years ago now, like 2013, 2012. That's almost 10 years. It was 2010. 2010. Wow. So more than 10 years. I can't believe that. Um, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> time, time really flies. So I met Elaine because you were taking a class at Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts, right? Yes. Yeah. And I was getting my post-baccalaureate there and, um, I had a studio there and it was across the hall from her, um, class that she was taking. And then you came into my studio and you wanted to look at some works and then you ended up buying a self-portrait that I did. And every time I go over your house, it like startles me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but so that's how we met. And um, since then, uh, we, we kind of fell out of touch for a couple of years. And then how do we, how do we get back into contact? Do you remember? I, I, I can't remember, Jessica, to tell you the truth. I think emails or through the art world somehow, but I don't remember specifically. Yeah, I think it may have been um, era contemporary. Um, maybe you submitted to some calls or something I and then we just, so. yeah. Um, but but yeah, Elaine is a good friend now and um, and is a very inspiring person as well. Overcome many challenges in her life and created such a wonderful life for herself. And her home is like a museum. It's really amazing. Like you, you're such an avid collector of the arts, contemporary realism in particular. Um, you collect several of my friends' work as well as my own. And, um, and you have a beautiful gardenscape in the back and I just love it. So, um, so kind. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. So, um, so tell us, Tell us, our uh, listeners, Elaine, um, a little bit about um, your art and what you do currently. Sure. So I, I know that one of the things that you and I had talked about is how did it all start? And I think it was in my DNA. I'm sure many artists feel that way. What I'm doing now is I'm, and I'm really excited about it, is I'm working on a series of women as seen through the lens of the four elements of fire, water, earth, and air. Hmm. And I'm putting my own spin on that. I've got a few models that I work with, and I'm very excited about this project. I have just begun um, working, working on my water series, and then I will be moving on to work in my air series. And that will probably carry me through the better part of 2022. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, I've seen some of your water pieces and in particular, the one where the woman is lying back yeah. um, with like the water around her. I thought that was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. is that your most recent one? No, you haven't seen my most recent ones. I'm working on a number of paintings of women, of one woman in particular in bubble bath. Oh, wonderful. That's fun. So I'm, I'm very, it'll be my own take on, on a bathtub series. Oh, fun. I love I'm, a good bubble bath. Lots of fun. And I'm playing around with some fractal geometry and incorporating some new ideas. So mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited to work on it and I'm excited to show it. 
Amazing. Yes. So um, you have really made great strides in the art world over the past couple years. And um, knowing you over the years, I've just seen your growth and you've seen mine. And um, so I would love to know how was it kind of switching careers? Because I know you had a whole career before really dedicating yourself to being an artist. So um, if you could just like go back and, and, and um, just tell us how, how you had your other career, how that tied into the arts and um, kind of like the, maybe the benefits and the drawbacks to like having, having a, another career or a day job as, as well as being an artist. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's an important thing to talk about. I have always, it, it's never been an easy balance to be quite honest with you um, because my heart has always been in the art world and wanting to create and wanting to paint full time. And at the same time, I realized that um, as a woman supporting herself, that I needed to supplement and I needed to do something else to take care of my day-to-day -day existence. Mm -hmm. So I was always, I always felt like I was like this person holding a scale on both hands, you know? So I've got, okay, here's, here's my day job that's taking care of one part of my needs. And then here's where my heart is and my soul is. And so how, how do I balance that? So it, it was it was just really a balancing act. I um, I started in college as an art major, and at the time when I when I was in college, realism wasn't being taught, and I got very disillusioned. And I put the pencil down for a few years with a paintbrush, and then I matriculated at the Maryland Institute College of Art, um, and I went part time to get my fine arts degree. Mm -hmm. So that was working full time. And then I just dedicated myself to my evenings and my weekends. And that is how I was able to get through the program over a period of time and, and complete my, my undergraduate uh, fine arts degree. And I felt really, really proud of that. And from that point on, I think it was a very conscious effort to say, I want this to be part of my life. And what, how can I incorporate it given these other things? So the way that I did that is I used uh, weekends and vacation time to constantly take seminars and workshops and be around the environment and be around artists and be around people who I looked up to and respected because that would help uh, push me on when I would get a little discouraged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's just, I think for me, making the conscious effort to say, this is important to me, this is important in my life, and I need to figure out a way to integrate it until such a point in time where I'm able to paint full-time. Right, right, amazing. And what, what was it that you did um, what was your job description? What did you do over the years? I wore a number of hats, but I was in the corporate business world. And I worked as a trainer. I would onboard new people, mm -hmm. but I also worked in the pharma industry. So one of the hats that I wore is I monitored investigational clinical trials. It's very, a very left-brained uh, sort of occupation, but the thing, was that it allowed me a lot of autonomy. Hmm. And so it was able to, again, give me what I needed and yet allow me a little bit more leverage than working in an office nine to five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very nice, very nice. And um, did you feel like after a while doing like a day job like that and you, and you worked full-time, right? Right. So did you find that, um, did you, okay, because this, this has been my experience with working like a, because um, I've worked full-time. I, I worked um, a mixture of full and part-time for about a decade, um, more like 15 years actually, um, during school and after school. And um, 
And for me, uh, it got to the point after doing something for so long that I wasn't super passionate about, um, that it felt like, it felt like I could like feel the time going down the drain and I could feel my energy just like being sucked away from me. I could feel my life like, like being taken away from me. And, um, and when it got to that point, um, you know, it was very difficult to continue with that job, especially if you know, as an artist that you feel like called to be an artist, you, you, you think of yourself, you identify as an artist, but you're doing this other thing all day long. And it's, it's frustrating because then you go to the studio and you start a painting, but you like don't have the energy to get to where you want to. Did you ever feel like that? All the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I, that's what, that's what I mean when I feel like I'm this person with the scale because it was always this balancing act. Um, and, and for me, everyone needs to make the right choice for themselves. But for me, knowing that I needed to support myself financially, um, it was what I needed to do at the time. So yeah, I mean, a lot of coffee because, you know, my days were spent doing one thing and then my evenings and my weekends were spent doing what really mattered to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was never an easy compromise. Mm -hmm. it, for me, it was what was required for me. So I made that decision because the alternative would have been not to have painted and not to have pursued this part of my life, which is so important, but it yeah. is not, it's not an easy thing to do. It takes, I think a lot of dedication and just passion and um, tenaciousness to say, how can I make this happen? How can I, how can I merge both of these things until I'm at that point where I can paint? And I also must say a, a, a big thing for me was that I did not work in an office. So I had a little bit more flexibility and autonomy where it wasn't a rigid nine to five. And I think that in my situation helped a lot. Mm. Yeah, um, that's really interesting. Cause um, for me, I was a, yeah, I also wore many hats. So I was, I started as a makeup artist and then I was a traveling makeup artist. And then I uh, was an event planner, which was probably the most fun corporate job I did. And, um, and that honestly has helped me, my, organi my organizational skills improved tremendously from that, you know, learning how to do that. I didn't even know how to use a spreadsheet prior to that. Um, so it helps as a business owner for your own art career to learn those skills. So I will say that a lot of the skills that I learned in my own corporate job helped me to be able to run an art business when I got to that point. Do you feel like the skills that you learned in your job have been able to help you as you now are doing art full-time? No question about it. Um, I, I had a lot of my speaking skills. I used to do presentations in front of people constantly. So my corporate skills and my organization skills, my business acumen, all of those things that I had the opportunity to not only learn, but live on a fairly daily basis has absolutely helped uh, my, my art career mm -hmm. and has helped me segue into this part of my life. I also wanted to mention when you talk about, so how do you balance all of this? Um, another important thing that I found that really helped me was in my own personal world when I wasn't working, I cry, I not cried, I cried, but, uh, <laughs> but I also tried to make my immediate world around me as beautiful and as much of a personal sanctuary and a reflection of who I really was. So specifically, um, you know, it was painting the walls a beautiful color, like simple things when I didn't have a lot of money to say, well, I want to redecorate. Painting the walls a beautiful color or fresh flowers or um, having 
either an original or a facsimile of a beautiful painting around me. So I could look around and I could see beauty and I could feel nature coming inside. That really helped me a lot. It soothed me because I wasn't able to do everything that I wanted to do at the time. So being creating a beautiful environment was instrumental for me mm -hmm. in, in living in these uh, one foot in these two worlds, if you will. Um, I also tried to go to museums, as I mentioned, surround myself with the world in which I feel that I belong as much as possible in my own free time. Mm. Um, for me, I found that dressing a certain way, being able to be creative with the way that I dressed was also another avenue where I could incorporate that part of my personality, if you will, mm -hmm. into the everyday. And I know that we've talked about this and I think that that for me really was, um, all of these little things helped helped me cope and helped me in my compromise for what I needed to do along the way until I could finally be my own person in painful time. Yeah, yeah, wow. So um, that's great. And yes, your, your home is so beautiful. And um, yeah, I can definitely see that in the way that you dress and lots of like beautiful fabrics and um, you ha definitely have your own unique style. And um, I also wanted to say like going back to learning things at a corporate job to actually apply to your art career. I really admire the way that you you really seek out opportunities for your art to be seen and promoted and to um, to like enter competitions, to enter um, shows. And you have introduced me to a lot of things that I had no idea about, but <clears throat> the way that you seem to really keep all that organized and really make that a priority to, to, um, to bring your art to the forefront of um, culture and you want it to be seen, you want to um, take steps to becoming known as an artist and you really prioritize finding the opportunities that will help you get there. I think that's a very, um, I don't know, it, it just reminds me a lot of the things, the kind of things that I would do in, in like a corporate structure, which um, are very necessary basically to get something into the marketplace. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you bring up a good point because a lot of these things that I do, I think are very second nature to me. So it's partly, I think, um, my own nature. But like I said, since I had to compromise, I had to think, okay, I only have a certain amount of time to devote to this particular thing. So I strategized, how can I best do this? What are the, what are the ways that I can best do this? And yes, corporate my, my corporate training, my business training really helped me because I know how to organize. I know how to um, research different things. I'm not afraid to make phone calls or talk to people or try something because I figure, well, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is that it doesn't work or someone's not interested. But if I don't do anything, then I know what the outcome is. So I was always willing to take those risks. But there's no question that a strong business background training was instrumental in me really being able to navigate and seek out these various opportunities without feeling overwhelmed or without feeling at a place where I didn't know where to start. So I, I think that's the one thing that art schools could really benefit from is really teaching the arts business. Mm -hmm. and. And there's no one path, as you know, Jessica. I mean, I've taken a very circuitous path to, to get to where I am now and continuing on my spectrum. I feel like I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly uh, opening myself up to new avenues or new thoughts. And I realize that one cannot be passive about this sort of thing. You really need to be, you need to have some tenacity and um, a sense of, as you know, being an entrepreneur to decide how you want your world to unfold. And mm -hmm. I believe that we all need to take 
um, take charge, if you will, and figure out what is going to be the best way for me. And sometimes you don't really know. So you just have to try different things and not, I think, not be afraid to make mistakes or not be afraid to get turned down or not be afraid for things to not work out. I see it all as a continuum for learning how to best navigate what is best for you. Mm -hmm. That's certainly how I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. That is beautiful. Absolutely. And um, so when you started, when you started doing art, were you always into watercolor or did you, did you experiment with different mediums before settling on watercolor? Mm -hmm. Growing up, I, I was fortunate enough to be exposed to a woman who was a commercial artist in New York City. And I used to take Saturday lessons there, like when I was 12 or 13. And she was a fabulous teacher. And the first year she had us do, uh, she had us experiment in every medium that she could teach us. So whether it was charcoal, pastel, oil on glass, acrylic, watercolor, uh, oil, um, I had the opportunity to, or actually she made us do it, um, to experiment in all of these different avenues. And once we were able to do that, then we could choose to say, well, I'd like to focus on whatever it was. So for a very long time, I was an oil painter and I, I've only really been seriously painting watercolor for 15 years. Mm -hmm. So prior to that, I was doing strictly oil. And then I, I think this segue to watercolor was kind of a natural thing for me because I wanted something a little bit more portable. Um, I loved the luminosity of watercolor. And when I began to see what the potentials were for this as a serious art medium, not just a sketchy, wishy-washy sort of a, um, a venue, I became fascinated with it. And it and at the same time, frustrated. So it's, it's a love-hate relationship because I love it, but it's uh, it's unforgiving in certain ways. But oh, definitely. That's that's one reason why I've. I mean, I do do some watercolor, but I like oil better because, like, if I make a mistake, you can always just like paint right over it, and no one will ever know. But with watercolor, it's like you literally see every stroke in the process. So props to you. I think it's amazing how you're able to like be so meticulous with that. Well, we have our, there, there are certain tricks. This is not the forum for that, but there are certain tricks. Okay. But <laughs> it, it's a totally different, it was a totally different mindset because I was always used to painting um, from dark to light, which is how one usually paints in oil, right? Mm -hmm. And in watercolor, you paint from light to dark. Mm -hmm. And that totally messed with my head for quite some time. I could not quite get that concept because I always wanted to put the shadows in first mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that that was probably my biggest challenge in learning how to paint watercolor mm -hmm. in comparison to any other medium because watercolor starts with the lightest value and you you subsequently build up deeper and deeper values to get your shadows right and I know that you have <clears throat> seen a lot of success lately what are some of the recent shows or opportunities that you've participated in that you feel very proud of mm -hmm. um i feel extremely fortunate <clears throat> excuse me i've been in a number of shows at the wausau museum of contemporary art in 2019 i was at their i was part of their premier international biennial portrait competition and i have a painting that was also accepted in the uh, 2021 show. Mm -hmm. um, that was quite an honor. And I've been part of their annual national juried exhibition. I had a painting there in 2020. And I've been involved with poets and artists uh, for a number of monthly pop-up shows. And I've curated a couple of shows for Didi Menendez, the most recent one being Curves. And my initial curatorial effort was in a call that I designed called Curls. Mm -hmm. um, I was also in an Allied Artist Show of America in 2020, and that, that was a big coup for me because the list of painters and sculptors that are in that show at the Sam Gundy Club is, um, makes me feel very humble. Yeah. So, yeah. indeed. Absolutely. Congratulations sure. on all of that. Thank That's you. amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, 
And I know that maybe for you, um, so here's a question. For you, is it more important to sell your work and to be making money from your work? Or do you have other goals with your work that are more important, like um, being collected by museums or um, you know, showing in a certain amount of you know, places or specific places or being written about? What are some of your artistic goals that are really important to you? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll take all of it, Jessica. <laughs> Do I have to choose? <laughs> but but I, I think that for me, uh, one of the things I need to stay focused on is not comparing myself to other painters, to other standards, and to focus on being the best that I am being. So compete against myself, if you will, for always striving to be my best, always striving to become, you know, uh, a step ahead oh, to, to be the best painter that I can possibly be. With that being said, I would love to sell artwork and I have sold artwork. I would also like to leave some sort of a legacy, mm -hmm. something in perpetuity. So maybe even if it isn't, uh, happening during my lifetime, which I hope that it will, that I can somehow inspire others to live their dream. And that's, that's a very important part. I would love, love to be part of a permanent museum collection. And I have one particular museum um, that we both know about, which I think would be a wonderful fit for me. That would be my own personal dream. Mm -hmm. if, yeah. I were, if I were able to have that happen, then I would feel like I'm done now, or not, not that I'm done, but I have accomplished a really important thing in my life. And I'll feel like I have, you know, lived a life that that's worth remembering. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and is that, um, would you envision like having like a show at a museum? Oh, you mean like a solo show? Yeah. That would be that would be the dream of a lifetime. Okay. <laughs> the dream of a lifetime would be to have a solo show at a museum or to be asked to have a painting as part of the permanent collection. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's an awesome goal. Because um, yeah, this is something I've been talking about with artist friends as well. Is that you know when you sell to a collector, it's wonderful. You know it's going to be cherished. Hopefully. Um, but then, you know, what happens when that person passes on or, um, you know, they move or they don't have room for it. Like it becomes this like, okay, well, what happens to it? You know, like, um, and, but if you're collected by a museum, it's really like your, your art is being preserved for generations. Mm -hmm. And that's really, that's really special. So it, it doesn't end up like in a garage sale, some, you know. And also, I think for me, um, I would like to be a role model or inspiration to other people, other women who have not, you know, who struggled and have stayed the path of what is true for them mm -hmm. and worked hard and not given up and been able to achieve Mm -hmm. important important endpoints in their life and I would like for that to be part of it so mm -hmm. not of course there's the ego part of it but but less that and more to substantiate the fact that I really believe that anything is possible mm -hmm. it is absolutely, absolutely. Is possible and nothing the only thing that's impossible is your belief system mm -hmm. Okay, yes, I was going to ask you about like, what beliefs have helped to sustain you and like, um, mindset. And what, what are some of the things that have really helped you like, as you had to make these tough choices along the way? I, I've done a lot of inside work. It's, it's really, I mean, it's been a lifelong journey. It hasn't been like read this book or go to this symposium or do that. I think for me, since it's been a lifelong journey since I've been a very young person, um, it's been layer upon layer of understanding myself and 
and really just quieting the noise around me and saying, don't listen to what other people are saying. Um, what is it that matters to you? What is it that matters to you? What is it that makes your heartbeat? What is it that makes your soul come alive? And be honest with yourself about that. Mm -hmm. And so what is that? Mm -hmm. And then once you're able to identify it, for me, the next thing was, okay, so how do I get there? Mm -hmm. What's the next step? And, <clears throat> you know, it isn't, it isn't one step forward. It's sometimes just one step forward and two steps back. Mm -hmm. um, because even when I decided what was important and who I was as a person and not to compare myself against other standards, because I never seemed to like mm, go along with the norm, if you will, mm -hmm. of yeah. what was expected of mm -hmm. what was um, seen as the course to follow, never. Mm -hmm. And so in forging my own way, I really, I think I had to protect myself because there was a lot of people who tried to discourage me from doing that. Mm -hmm. A lot of reasons, whatever. So I had to really say, you need to listen to your own internal voice and be guided by that and be guided by knowing and, and doing what makes you who you are. Mm -hmm you know, to thine own self be true. And that, that isn't always so easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. And I think it's also a skill also like getting to know your own intuition and something that you can really try to develop throughout your lifetime. And this is something I'm constantly trying to hone myself um, because you're never going to stop making decisions in your life. So you, you, you just have to get better at making decisions and finding out what kind of decisions are right for you. And um, so listening to that like inner voice and listening to it when it first comes up and following that rather than like trying to rationalize it away. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important and really getting still and listening to yourself and not, um, not, not um, always needing other people's input for every single decision um, is really important. I think especially as an artist, because our strength as an artist is our own unique voice, our own unique voice, you know, mm -hmm. and it's got to be unique in order to stand out. You look at like all the, all the artists who are, who have been successful, and I'm not just talking about like monetarily successful, I'm talking about like creatively successful, and it's because they've like, they've really leaned into their own unique style, their own unique um, way of seeing the world and been really unapologetic about it. Sometimes it takes them years and years to get there. Um, let's say, okay, taking like Picasso, for example, like he did not start out with, you know, cubism. He started out with his work being like every other artist and it took him years and years to like develop something that was like different and I'm sure I'm sure other artists can relate to this whenever I try something new with my work it's kind of like jumping off a diving board yeah. like you're like oh I don't know if this is gonna work but I'm just gonna try it mm -hmm. and and I think it's like a series of those moments like over the years that you start to like really feel like oh I, I think I can like combine these different things and then it creates a very unique style that's all your own because it's your life um, story that has led up to this point and no one can recreate that you know um, it's our own experiences it's our own um, way of seeing the world that has brought you to the point of making the artistic choices that you do well so, I also think um, living life that's certainly been huge for me living life in all of its aspects and all of its spectrums from the the really really wonderful to the the really really dark mm, aspects mm -hmm. um and for me getting to the point where i can say you know what i don't care what anybody else thinks 
Mm -hmm. this is this is right for me or this is my vision this is what i want to create and i'm not painting it to paint you know i'm not being an illustrator i'm not painting for a magazine i'm not painting it um for anyone really but me and and what is important to me and that's mm -hmm. the only way that i know that i can function i do not do well um, when i try to paint something for someone else mm -hmm. It's always a challenge. <laughs> yes, it is always a challenge. And I admire those individuals who are able to execute that. And I know and I admire you for being able to do that because I know that that's something that that's part of your career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you had any um, advice for artists who if you had any <clears throat> like practical advice for artists, whether it be like where to look for exhibitions to 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 get to the next level of your career or like any practical ways of like how to discern what they should do next in their career do you have any practical tools for artists um, that might be helpful mm. um well this i will get more specific to that but before i get there i think it's very important for all artists to create your sacred space in your environment to quiet the white noise, to create that sacred space. And it's not something that you have to have a lot of money to do, but I think it's very important to be able to listen to yourself. Um, I know that I like candles a lot and I like to have a lot of nature around me. So whether it's beautiful plants, um, beautiful crystals, beautiful stones, sacred dirt from the desert, uh, whatever, whatever it is that allows me to focus and get into that space. And I'm, I mean it, I like, I do this on a daily basis. Um, I think that's a very important ritual mm -hmm. that as not only painters, but as individuals allows us to, uh, allows us to focus. Yeah. So I would say creating a ritual where you can block out the white noise and block out all of the shoulds and the coulds and everything else and all the insecurities. Take some time, even if it's only 10 minutes every day to focus yourself, light some candles, create a little altar, if you will, if you wanna put some pictures up or things that make you happy and, and really, really focus. So I, I do this every day and I think it's, helped me tremendously. Um, mm -hmm. I always keep books around that are inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. So whatever whatever those books are, whether they're Wayne, Wayne Dyer books or whether they're um, books about other people who have created a beautiful life for themselves, I keep a, a pile of books of that mm -hmm. around me and I'm constantly reading that to inspire me and to reinforce uh, what I know is, is the right path to follow. So I would say those are two really big things. Mm -hmm. And in our world of social media, I have to tell you, that probably overwhelms me more than anything else. Mm -hmm. When I go on Facebook or I go on Instagram and all I'm seeing is like, you know, this artist and that artist, and I got into this and I got into that and here are these beautiful paintings. And I start to say, I can't look at it anymore. Not that I'm jealous, but it, it overwhelms me. Mm -hmm. And um, it starts this sort of competitive. Yeah. Uh, I go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. And I don't want to go there because um, that's not productive for me. So I have to, again, be quiet and say, okay, um, you need to be the best that you can be. So I find that I, I have to limit my time on social media. Mm -hmm. that's, that's great. Also, that's also another big practical thing. And I, I think um, I think largely, and this is not an easy thing for most of us to do, is to really accept yourself and trust that you're being led, whether you believe in a particular religion or a higher power or whatever that source is, I believe that there is a source of light and I trust that I am going to be led by that and that um, I just need to be the best that I can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm, that, this, is, this is what I do on a daily basis. And this, 
all helps me center and focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a little mantra that I say to myself every day when I get up in my studio and I, I, whatever it is, whatever it is as an artist, whatever is inspiring to you, for you to be your best and not compare it to anyone else. I think it's important to mm-hmm. say it to yourself and I'll just do like a little meditation before I start painting mm-hmm. and ask to be guided and asked to be led to do my best work so I can be a vehicle for what I consider the ultimate source to help me be that and to help display that on paper. Uh, I love that. And it's so intentional too. Um, This year, I've just been trying to be very intentional, more intentional with my time, more intentional with my energy and what I'm using it for. And that's such a great way um, to do that. I have my, um, my vision board um, behind this curtain here. And um, yeah, I, I look at it every day and every night, actually. And um, it makes me happy and it really inspires me. And it, it does help me, you know, keep me focused on what I'm actually shooting for and what I'm, you know, what, what the experience I'm shooting for and also what I want to do with my art. So I totally, I totally agree with that. And I just want to go back to social media for a second because Absolutely. I feel the same way. Um, so if I go, if I spend too much time on social media, like looking at what other artists are doing, first of all, it can be really inspiring because you're like, oh, wow, like look at what they're making or look at their space. Look at this. Look at that. Wow. Maybe I can do something, you know, that's that big or maybe I can try a big work on paper like that. Or I love the way that they've done this certain thing aspect of their art maybe I can try to incorporate that so there is like a way in which it can open up your world artistically and like so you can see what other people are doing Um, but then it can also be overwhelming and I've felt this as well where you're like wow because what happens is you see the accumulation when when an artist posts one painting they've probably they probably worked for weeks on that one painting But you see that as just like a little square on Instagram. And then you see another one from a different artist who also spent weeks on it. And then you see hundreds more because there's billions of us in this planet. And so you just see that there's like so much amazing art in the world. And it can feel like this wave of like, oh, what am I even doing? Like, um, is anyone even going to care? Right. It's very easy to just feel lost. I mean, you know, you and I both do portraiture and figurative work. And uh, how how many fabulous painters are there doing portraiture and figurative work? I mean, I know sometimes I just feel like I'm just lost in this river. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And and when I start to feel like that, that's when I'm like, I got to get off because um, because that's not I didn't go into art to like to be the best. I didn't, I want to be the best for myself, but I didn't want to like, um, conquer the world and lord it over everyone else. You know what I mean? And there can be a bit of a competitive aspect to, um, to the arts, whether that be like acting or painting or anything. So, and Instagram also, you know, the likes factor and, um, who liked what, and it's just, it's, it can get a little bit much, Whereas, you know, turning that off and going into your studio and like remembering why you are an artist and the love of the feel of the paint, you know, um, putting two colors together that just like makes you so excited. Seeing a likeness come to fruition, you know, on your canvas and creating something that you feel chills when you look at it, you're like, oh, this is good, you know. Um, those are, that's why I paint. I don't paint, um, to be famous on Instagram. You know what I mean? So, and and that's a losing battle anyway. I mean, that's a ridiculous, I think, paradigm to, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, because it's always the artist of the moment or the, you know, or who's hot at the present or who's judging a show. I mean, Mm -hmm. how many times have we, I've got probably gotten more rejections than acceptances. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, how, how do we, how do we value ourselves and cope with that? So we don't go down that rabbit hole of failure. Mm-hmm. I didn't make it and it, we're human. It's hard to not get our ego involved as mm-hmm. much as we try. 
Um, that's why I think for me, really doing these sort of rituals on a day-to-day -day -day basis um, helped me because all we can, all any of us can do is be our best. There will always be someone on a scale, I believe, no matter what we do in life, that's going to be better and someone who might look up to you as a goddess or think, wow, how did you ever do that? But the point is to not be driven by that. Right. Not right. be consumed by by letting that take up a lot of your headspace. Absolutely. And just focus on like being your own personal best and kind of removing other people from the equation in that way. Correct. So um, yeah, I totally agree. And I'm just like watching your cat in the background, <laughs> just having like this cozy cat nap and like turnover sometimes. <laughs> Oh, oh, I have, I have three on the couch in the back, but I don't think you can see all three of them. Yeah. I thought it was a blanket at first, but then it started moving. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so um, much. Jessica, I wanted to say one more thing that I think is really important oh, yes. mm -hmm. about when you talk about practical advice. Yeah. And it's very basic, but you got to show up mm -hmm. even when you don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. Um, people always say, it must be nice to have such a passion or I, I love this one. It must be so relaxing mm -hmm. when you go in your studio and paint. Mm -hmm. And I feel, well, um, it certainly is a labor of love, but not relaxing. Mm -hmm. It's usually pretty intense. Um, but I realized that to accomplish my own personal goals, that a lot of it is showing up in your studio, drawing, painting, putting in the work, the hard work, mm -hmm. kind of when you don't feel like it, mm -hmm. you know, um, that doesn't mean you have to be a slave to your studio, but it also means doing the hard things, you know, taking the classes or, or doing the prelim sketches or doing the studies when you just want to get to the painting. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And treating it like underscored enough. Absolutely. And treating it like a job, really, because um, if it is, if you do want it to be your job and and you identify as an artist and you, you're like, well, I'm an artist, well, you have to really set up your schedule so that you actually do the things that an artist does, which is create. So, yeah. And, and not just like in a like, oh, yeah, I do it like once a week, you know, when I when I feel inspired, it's at least for me, like, I feel like I want to get some painting in every single day in order to feel like I'm like moving forward. I've heard that the, um, the you should be shooting for at least 20 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how about you? What is your schedule like for painting? Mm -hmm. So I, um, I, tr I paint every day. I sometimes allow myself a day off just to do nothing or read books or whatever I want to do. Um, my own particular uh, ritual is that I get up in the morning and I do my thing in the morning. I exercise, I take care of whatever bills I need to write, sort of all the practical aspects of living on a day-to-day -day basis. And I am in my studio, usually no later than 12 noon. Mm -hmm. And I put in some days it's five hours, some days it's six hours, but I try to paint at least six hours. I find after that it's it's diminutive. My, my return, my eyes just get tired and I find that I'm not able to quite focus. So I try to set up five to six hours a day of, of good painting where that's all I do. And do you work in silence or do you like to listen to something? A little, it depends on my mood. Mm -hmm. I would, I, I'm okay with either, but if I put on music, I don't want it to be music with a lot of lyrics. So I listen a lot to Pandora's Duder mm -hmm. because that's meditative angel music. And I find that it's very soothing and it's calm and sort of gets me into like a Zen zone, but I don't want anything that's going to be like loud rock or mm -hmm. uh, anything that's, that's got a lot of lyrics to it where I get distracted. Right. Right. I'm the same way. Yeah. Or unless it's like a song that puts me in like a really positive state of mind, I get, <laughs> uh, I get these, like, I'll like get obsessed with a song and I'll just like put it on repeat. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> until I'm like tired of it, so it'll be like 10 times 
I don't know. Maybe I'm like crazy, but no, I um, do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, that was a good one. Um, so, so yeah, that's great. Yeah, and like for me, every time when I start a painting, I like to listen to music because it feels very like energetic, like the start of a painting and like where things are going. And then as I get into fine details, sometimes it can get really meticulous. And then sometimes I'll switch to like podcasts or audiobooks or something. So yeah, that's just yeah. my personal preference. But um, is there anything else that you wanted to share? If you were to um, encourage artists with one last thing, what would you say to them? To thine own self be true. Mm. And, and, and never, ever give up. Never, ever, ever give up on yourself. I love that. So good. And where can people find out more about you, Elaine? Thank you for asking. I have a newly revamped website. It's www.elainesahar.art. Mm -hmm. And I can also be found on Artsy through 33 Contemporary Gallery. Mm -hmm. And I, I have an Instagram, Elaine, um, my name, Elaine Sahar on Instagram and, and same for Facebook. So I, I am as a necessary evil on social media, even though we just talked about the pitfalls of it, it's a necessary evil. Um, mm -hmm. But to see most of my work, either artsy through 33 Contemporary Gallery or my own website, elainesahar.art. Okay, perfect, Elaine. Thank you so much for such an inspiring conversation. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you, Jessica. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Inspired Painter podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate you leaving a five-star review with your experience. This helps other people discover the podcast who might be encouraged by it as well. And if you are interested in booking a coaching call with me to create a plan for your art career and overcome limits that may be holding you back, please visit the link in the show notes or send me a DM on Instagram at Jessica Libor Studio. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, stay inspired.